0: Hello, TWIM Nation. This is the TWIM Sisters here, Ariane Smith and Tiffany Hales. Welcome to Conference Weekend. Yay! For longtime listeners of TWIM, you know that we generally do a recap of all the sessions of conference, usually on Sunday night when all the sessions are over. We're twisting it up and changing it up this time. This time, we're going to have individual recaps of each session of conference by a different host. So over the course of the next couple of days, you will see in your inbox lots of new TWIM episodes being released. All right. Also, be sure to check us out on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and feel free to share your thoughts and comments on conference. And we hope you all enjoy a lovely conference weekend.
1: It is now our post-Saturday morning session recap. And unexpectedly, Melissa is not able to join us right now, but never fear. Sandra is with us. How are you, Sandra?
0: I'm doing great. How are you?
1: (laughs) I'm doing wonderful. Oh, good. So the first question I have for you uh, that I think we should talk about is, what did you think about the International Choir that joined the Mormon Tabernacle Choir this morning?
0: Well, I didn't really notice it in the visual camera shots of the choir but i think that's great it's really cool that people are coming from all over the world to sing in the choir
1: you don't have all of the like choir members memorized so that you can recognize a new face
0: I I don't. Definitely not. In fact, there are very few people that I actually recognize by face. But just looking to see if I could recognize more diversity in the choir, I didn't really see it. But that's okay.
1: But you did notice a mustache man. Maybe (laughs) he's from another country. I did.
0: Maybe he is. (laughs) Maybe. Who knows? I mean, there are plenty of people who could be from other countries. It's just not always noticeable.
1: And another bit of news is Elder Holland has COVID and uh, is not going to be at General Conference. What did you think about that?
0: I think that's kind of disappointing because I really like to hear Elder Holland's talks. I think he's, I don't know, he's usually one of my favorites. I think a lot of people like his talks, but um, I just hope he he gets better and that it's not too serious.
1: Do you think it's going to be pre-recorded and we'll still get to hear from Elder Holland?
0: I don't think so, no. Because I think for him to record the talk, he'd be in a room with somebody working camera equipment and sound equipment, and that's just not really in accordance with COVID protocols.
1: So another interesting thing Sister Corden mentioned at the beginning of her talk is that this conference marks the five-year anniversary since President Nelson has been President of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Does it feel like things are different five years later than it was five years ago?
0: I'm not really good at keeping track of time, but I guess if I try to think about it, I know that a lot of changes have happened in the church since President Nelson became prophet. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, the church is very... I mean, the church is the same, the doctrine is the same, but a lot of things about the church and the way it operates have changed since President Nelson became prophet. And so, yeah, the Come Follow Me program and... um You know, the online missionary work, which is kind of more a result of COVID. There's just a lot of things that are different.
1: If you think about like how much things changed from President Hinckley to President Monson, I don't recall there being a whole lot of changes in that period of time. Um, So it just seems like a bit of a whirlwind from the President Nelson since President Monson.
0: Yeah, and I think that was especially in the first couple years. After he was called as prophet, it seemed like every single general conference, there was a new major change being announced. I don't feel like there are as many changes coming now, but um, yeah.
1: Okay. So I'm going to start with what was my favorite talk from the session of general conference. And then if there's some thoughts that you want to share about your favorite talk, and then I want to have a little bit of a discussion about Elder Haney's talk. So I really liked the talk um, from... Elder Cook, not Quentin L. Cook, but the uh, president's Carl B. Cook. And he talked about having faith and turning to Christ through times of discouragement in our lives. And he shared the story um, where he's speaking at a state conference and President Packer keeps inviting him to go back and speak again and again and again and how it was a challenge for him. And he was very grateful that he persevered and that he exercised faith and he saw how the Lord helped him through that. I really like that story. He started that talk by saying that this counsel he was giving about overcoming discouragement—that um, there's—he kind of made a distinction between people who have mental illness and struggle with anxiety uh, disorder and depression, and people who are just struggling with discouragement. And I kind of wondered about that, like. I don't think I have anxiety disorder, but I definitely struggle with anxiety, as you know. Um, as I'm, <laughs> as, <laughs> as I was People driving, going to wonder why I know that. <laughs> well, as we, as I was driving back from Virginia, there was a small moment, like a tiny moment, where the Jeep wouldn't start, and it caused me deep anxiety for several hours. And I remember I would call you, and I actually couldn't call you for a couple hours because you were busy doing things, and I was trying to work through that, and. And as I do oftentimes, I just prayed and I turned to the Lord and he helped me through that anxious moment. He helped me to find peace, helped me to not be... It didn't go away. I I still, you know, you would have preferred that I not get gas with the engine running That time (laughs) I stopped to get gas. Not
0: generally a good idea.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I still, you know, there's still the things I struggled with, but... I found that turning to the Lord um, in that moment of anxiety really, really helped me. And so I wonder if you think that that distinction that Elder Cook makes between people with anxiety disorder or depression. Uh, Like, is that a necessary distinction, or am I just making too much out of maybe something I just picked up on?
0: Okay, so it's a good question, and I want to address it. First, I want to clarify for any listeners, um, I'm Matt's wife, which is why he may have been calling me while he was driving a Jeep home from across the country. Anyway, that's why I'm on the show today. Um, But as for what Elder Cook was saying, I think that he wanted to make it clear that there are some people who there are some people who have these diagnoses of of mental illness or anxiety depression who need medication in order to be treated and he i don't think he wanted to send the message to them that just having faith and um not giving up is enough to overcome that mental illness. It will help everyone. I have no doubt. Um, but he was trying to I, th- I think he tried to even clarify this, right. It's the people he was talking about who just experience day to-day discouragement because of the the things that happen in life. Um, but I don't think he was saying that his counsel was just for them. I think it's for everyone. But he doesn't want anyone to take his words and say, well, Elder Cook says I shouldn't take my medication because if I have enough faith, I don't need it.
1: He didn't, he didn't want people to take the message that um, the solution to mental illness is faith. I'm, I'm going the other way, right? I'm saying, why is he saying that God can't help people with mental illness? And what I think you're saying is, no, what he's saying is that he doesn't want people to think who have mental illness challenges that faith is the only solution to those problems.
0: Right. I, I certainly don't think he meant to send the message that God can't help people with mental illness. I think he he wants people who struggle with mental illness to still um, turn to God and to have faith and to trust in, in Christ's uh, atonement to help them through the struggles. But that doesn't mean that they should... Uh, ignore important medical care.
1: Okay, so what was your favorite talk? Uh,
0: Well, you know, that's kind of hard, but I think I'm going to go with Elder Irene's talk or President Irene's talk at the end. Um, I really liked his message of finding peace and the truths that he he lists um, about finding peace. And I, I like that he mentions, you know, that it's more... It's about more than just keeping the commandments, that we have to actually love God. And I think Sister Corden got it this same message, too, that to really um, feel the peace that comes through Jesus Christ, we have to develop a relationship with Him and love Him. And it's, we can't do that necessarily just through keeping a checklist of commandments. Sometimes we get in situations in life where that's like all we can do. That's all we have the energy for, because we're just facing so many spiritual trials at the time. Um, But our goal should always be to have it be meaningful and to develop that relationship. And when we have that relationship with Christ, um, then we are able to find peace and, and feel the strength that comes through his atonement um, much more in our lives.
1: I really did like some of the distinctions that people make between like going through the motions of obedience and then doing it in a, in a real way that's actually a bit more meaningful Um, but that's hard to do, I think, in life. Sometimes I, sometimes I have to go through the motions before I can find the depth of meaning behind it.
0: Yeah. And you know, I've said many times, sometimes I'm just in a spot where I say I got to fake it until I make it. Because sometimes I am discouraged, or sometimes there is a little bit of a lack of faith. Or I just get so busy with so many other things in my life that um, it pulls me away a little bit. And so I hang on to the checklist of things and say, I've got to keep doing these things, but I know I'm not doing them to with the same sincerity and intent that I should, but sometimes I just can't.
1: So President Eyring said, uh, one of the things he said was, keeping the commandments requires more than just obedience. It requires love. He, he kind of linked this, like, if you love me, keep my commandments idea to uh, oh, keeping the commandments. Is there something you do that helps you think of keeping the commandments as an act of love more than an act of obedience? Because maybe that could kind of help, right? That could kind of help get at this distinction of like worshiping as a witness of Christ or doing things for the real right reason instead of just doing them to to do a checklist. Because it doesn't feel like love is ever a checklist kind of a thing. So is there something in there that...
0: Yeah, well, so I think for me, it's taken a lot of years to get to this point where um, I think I do things more now because I love Christ. And when I feel badly that I haven't said my prayers really well. It's not because I say, well, I'm not being sincere enough in my prayers. I just think to myself, I'm like ignoring Christ. How would I feel if this is how my husband, Matt, talked to me at the end of the day? Or if my kids, when I haven't talked to them in a while, if they, this is how they converse with me, like without paying any attention, you know, if they're on their phone the whole time and only halfway listening to what I say. Uh, then I would feel really hurt. And so I think about that and I say, "Wow, if that's the way I'm praying with Heavenly Father, then that's that's hurtful to Him and I don't want to be that way.
1: Hey, that's really good. I like that, Sandra. Okay, so then I think the talk that's going to be memorable, if not for the analogy of how to smash a water bottle and recycle and all of that stuff, um, uh, if it's not for that, it will certainly be because there's a very strong message there about following the prophet. And, um, I would ju- I think let's just have your reaction first to that talk. Sandra, what did you think about that talk?
0: Well, aside from the analogy, which was really fun. And my brother even texted me about it saying he was going to start smashing water bottles that way to be more righteous. Um, I really liked, he made one comment early in the talk where he said that having this testimony of the prophet will help us to trust in his counsel, even if we don't understand it. And I think that that's something that a lot of people struggle with at times, uh, we receive counsel from the prophet that may be counter to previous beliefs we've had or ideological beliefs. um, And it doesn't always make sense. We can't always explain using science or, or sociology, why the prophet's telling us to do something. Uh, But if we have that testimony through the spirit, then it'll help us to obey that counsel and follow that counsel, even when we don't understand it.
1: Okay, so I have a couple of points that I want to ask you what your thoughts and opinions are on these things. So I'm going to start with, I don't like to obey. I am not by nature an obedient person.
0: Yes, I know. (laughs) And
1: and it's really hard for me to obey anybody. Um, I, I think that that's one of my greatest acts of faith when I choose to just follow the prophet, because... Um, I don't do that in any other aspect of my life, as you well know.
0: Yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't. I don't. You but- don't like to ba- obey anyone, <laughs> including me.
1: <laughs> right, I really don't. So I have, I have to have guidelines in my head about when I have to follow the prophet and when I don't. Because I have to say, if I'm at the table and the whole first presidency smashes their bottles, I'm the type of person that would say, <laughs> I'm not doing it just to show that everybody that I'm different. And I would not see that as like a a sign of me not following the prophet because in my head, this is something where I don't need to follow the prophet. So, but I hear this talk telling me don't have rules in your head about when to follow the prophet, but this is going to be a real struggle for me because I have a hard time with that. I can't, I don't just follow people. So what's the what's what's he really saying here?
0: Well, so I think the big key, first of all, I don't think President Nelson wants you to follow his example in how to smash a water bottle or what kind of tie to wear. Um, I think though that what's important is that we listen to the counsel. Ever since he has been called as prophet, he's been encouraging people to learn to receive personal revelation and uh, recognize promptings through the spirit, and so. If that's the counsel you're following, then you're going to be receiving instruction from Heavenly Father about what are the important points, what are the rules, to use your term, for when to follow the prophet.
1: Uh huh. Okay. So, okay. So, I, what I'm hearing you tell me is follow the big stuff.
0: <laughs> follow, follow the big stuff, but it's not necessarily up to you to decide what the big stuff is. It's up to you oh. to be humble and prayerful and let oh. Heavenly Father tell you what the big stuff is.
1: Okay. Okay. I'm okay. That's how I live my life, generally. Yeah. I try to listen to the prophets. I try, I take it to the Lord, and nobody can do everything that they're told in general conference. And so I try to seek the Lord's guidance on what should I be doing? What should I be changing? That sort of thing. Right. Right. Okay,
0: And there have been times when you have held a certain sort of belief or philosophy that we might disagree on, and you hold it for a long time. This is going to make me sound bad. I shouldn't have said it this way. Or you (laughs) sound bad. Anyway. It's okay. um, And then the prophet will say something that will counter this belief you've had for a long time. And then you're willing to change it. Um, and that's, you know, is I it, think that's what they're saying. Is it
1: frustrating to you that I'll f- change my mind when the prophet says it, but not when you say it?
0: Super frustrating. <laughs> Super frustrating. But I am grateful that you'll change your mind for the prophet or when the Heavenly Father tells you to.
1: Okay, question number two from this talk. He says that um, that prophetic counsel is not something that ages better with time, that it gets better with time. And then he said something along the lines of, we shouldn't use dead prophets to counter what the living prophet says. I, I hear this a lot. I, I hear a lot of talk for, about dead prophets, dead prophets, and all the various things that dead prophets said. My question for you is, how long do they have to be dead before I can stop listening to what the prophet said?
0: Okay, so I thought about this. First of all, I don't think he ever said dead prophets. I think he said past prophets, because I was listening for the word dead, because that's something, a uh, quote by Brigham Young, that where he used that term all my... Anti-Mormon friends used to throw at me in high school. But anyway, I think he just said past prophets. But I want to point out, he said that we can't use the words of past prophets to negate or to cast aside, I forget the word he used, the counsel of modern day prophets. That's not the same thing as saying if a modern prophet hasn't said anything about it, then it's okay to ignore past prophets, right? Like, we can't use...
1: But like past prophet said stuff about playing cards mm-hmm. and no modern prophet has ever said, by the way, face cards are great if you want to play face cards. Yeah. Does that mean I still have to like listen to the past prophet on face cards? Because they're gone. That's not their time anymore. It's a new time, new place, new season. Uh, they don't have to negate. Are you saying they have to negate it? Right.
0: I'm not saying they have to negate it, but I'm saying that we shouldn't be quick to say, well, the current prophet's not saying this, so therefore it must not be important anymore, right? Maybe there's still, like, I think when it comes to face cards, the idea is what President Nelson has said, we should pray the, the whole trend in the church is leading people towards praying and seeking revelation for themselves to see what is right and what is wrong and not have not relying on the prophet or church leaders to give this detailed itemized list of things we should and shouldn't do. So I'm not going to say that playing with face cards is necessarily terribly wrong, um, but I don't know that it's necessarily right. It's up to individuals to pray and see for their circumstances and I imagine there's not a one single right or wrong answer.
1: Sandra, thank you so much for filling in for Melissa. You did an amazing job.
0: (laughs) Thanks. Sorry if I talk too much.
1: You're a voice of wisdom in this dark and dreary world. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey, This weekend Mormon Listener, we're grateful that you tuned in to this podcast. This is the first of many, so keep, keep a watch uh, this conference weekend for summaries of various general conference sessions, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. So reach out to us through our email address. You can reach out to us on social media at The Real Twim on Twitter. Uh, we'd love to continue the dialogue. Obviously, we're not the only voice that matters on general conference, and I'd love to hear what you guys have to say about it. Thank you so much and have a great time until the next session of conference.